0: Hey, today we're talking about what do you do when you get a bad review from a customer? Do you hide it? Do you ignore it? Do you challenge it? What do you do when you get negative feedback? We're talking about all of that today, including what you can do on the front end to make sure that your customers only have great experiences from you. Stay tuned, here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Blake, and I run the Good Advice Podcast. I also run the Business Good Advice, where we help businesses grow and scale using simple steps. You can check out more on our website, goodadvicecoaching.com, but if you've come here, hopefully you're looking to get some good advice for your business. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you're looking at uh, a video podcast of some kind, this is my setup behind me. Um, you know, you see those people online who have like the coolest kinds of setups. They have like their own special kind of, um, you know, branding on the wall behind them, all sorts of lighting. Uh, this is the office when the banner isn't set up behind me and that's really only because my wife has a huge work day tomorrow and so i've gone ahead she's super pregnant and i've moved this uh, the banner behind this shoulder over here uh, back against the wall for her so first things first i am so grateful for you joining me today i really appreciate it and you know like i like like i like to mention on a lot of different episodes that i do you could be listening to any podcast you'd be listening to anything out there and you've chosen to check out this podcast so If you haven't listened to this before, what I'll tell you is, you know, this podcast is really a passion project of mine. It's something that I kind of envisioned a place where we could just talk honest business. It feels like more and more what gets put on social media is like this curated, uh, very intentional version of our stories of business ownership. The way I've seen it often is people who... They tell a story of, and it typically goes something like this: I started my business six months ago, and I cannot believe that I'm finally a mega millionaire. With you know, I'm, I'm you know closing so many customers per week. I actually just saw one. I actually, just saw one um, uh, yesterday where the person said, uh, you know, what do you know? We just cl- we just hit one million dollars per month. A million dollars per month. And I'm so grateful I could have never imagined being here since quitting my job, serving in a restaurant only a few months ago. And this was someone who's putting this on Facebook, basically. And I, I saw that and, you know, I, I don't want to bring anyone down because uh, sometimes I get a little bit, I can sense the tension of, you know, Blake's just being cynical. He's being pessimistic. He is, you know, doesn't have a yes mentality or isn't believing with us. And all I got to say is for you and your business, whatever you're t- trying to accomplish, I absolutely believe in you. I absolutely believe you have what it takes, that you're capable. If I can make it this far, um, being a totally average person, you can make it as well. Seriously. So having said that, though, I do see these stories and being totally frank and honest, which is what this podcast is. And those of you who have listened to the podcast and like the podcast, you know that this is what it, what it is i try to just be really open and honest and direct and unfortunately these kinds of stories most of the time are full of bs a lot of times they are total lies and i've you know you may wonder like would people actually lie on social media yes they would and yes they do because in a warped sense of morality and integrity uh, for some of these people, the ends justify the means. And so I really believe in my services. I really believe that I can help people. So why not lie along the way so that I can actually get to helping more people overall? Uh, in other cases, you have people who they talk about extreme growth, extreme, um, you know, success with their business, but they leave out the detail that, uh, someone else, you already had a massive network, a massive platform that they paid that person basically to boost their business in front of a quite a few people. And then lastly, you have people who, um, you know, they, they uh, have been on like a 10 year journey but they only tell like the very last week of it or the last month of it. And so I worked with the guy one time who that was his story was I've been so successful, but he left out the detail that he'd actually been working on his business for about seven or eight years. Um, Which begs the question, why do we do this? Why do we, you know, misrepresent our stories? Uh, I think we are um, so fearful of failure. You know, we don't want to be another statistic, I think that for people who are shady, it's very lucrative to lie. And at the end of the day, um, struggle is not sexy. Struggle is only sexy to talk about when it's been overcome. It's never sexy to talk about when you're in it, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think that's right. I think that whenever we are struggling, we need community, we need transparency. But I, you know, I've been there myself. I totally get where. You know, it's like, I can't wait till I can talk about this once I've overcome it rather than talking about it when we're in it. So that's my extremely long wind. I'm not going to talk about any of, our, any of that on this episode, by the way. Uh, that's my extremely long winded way of saying this podcast is aimed at being really honest and really direct and really open and transparent on business ownership, on the journey, on the challenge. And this is just my perspective. This is just my take on my business, what I've experienced. And so if someone out there... You have a totally different experience. I say more power to you and I totally get that. And, uh, you know, that is is what it is, right? So having said that, I want to talk today about, like I joked, something totally different. Uh, If you check the episode right before this one, I had a phenomenal guest on the podcast. And it's rare that I have someone on the podcast who I specifically mention so soon after their episode has gone live uh, it's not uncommon that I usually will reference a one-liner several months later or might even have that guest on again a second time. But I do actually listen through episodes of guests who come on. I do listen through them a second time. And I so enjoyed this previous episode, number 246 with Darshan Meta, uh, Darshan Meta, excuse me, who basically talked about this, co- this concept of customer feedback. And this is something that I've talked about quite a bit. And it's something that I'm realizing more and more that when you lean into it, you can realize how powerful it is for your business. So getting to the point of what I want to discuss today, my question to you as you're listening to this episode is, do you listen to your customers when they give you harsh feedback? More importantly, do you lean into harsh feedback? This is something that I think many of us struggle with. Uh, I know it's been a challenge for me personally. And there's a lot of reasons for this. On one side of things, being an entrepreneur is incredibly taxing mentally. It takes a lot of grit to show up day after day after day. And there are simply some days that you are more fragile than others. You know, it's like you have all these aspirations, you have all these ambitions, but you didn't get the sale you hoped for. You know, the business did not develop like you thought it would, and then that customer email comes in or that customer phone call comes in or that customer comment happens and it is a gut punch and it's hard to swallow. It's hard to internalize it. We all know what this feels like, right? But overall, I wanna challenge you and ask you to think about, are you a business that is receptive to harsh feedback? Now, let's go ahead and get over like the obnoxious, um, oh, we don't have harsh feedback. Oh, all of our customers are happy. We do business perfectly. Um, I don't believe you. And if that's what you genuinely believe, I would actually argue that you have not developed the means of gathering accurate customer feedback. Because, and it's actually, it's, this. by the way, this is how, um, you know, if you're a digital marketer out there, This is actually how buying behavior works, by the way. Whenever you get online and you see like the, the review or, um, you know, whether this is on Amazon or Google Maps, whatever, but when you see the review, that's all five stars and it's like 10,000 reviews or hundreds of reviews and it's perfect all the way we typically are a bit suspicious. We are typically like, eh, I don't know about that. What's up with this person? Buy, buy these? Did they pay for these? Are they harvesting reviews from people? Are they paying people to leave these reviews? What's, what's going on? It's typically more common that we see the four and a half stars and see that as actually more trustworthy than the all five-star review because we innately understand that we cannot please everyone. We can't make everyone happy. It's not possible. It's not doable, right? So for those of you who are like, we never have bad customers. Everyone loves us, uh, yada, yada, yada. You are probably fooling yourself and you haven't developed the means to gather real customer feedback. You probably had one comment from one customer that you have just, you know, you've written it on your mirror and you've held onto that one comment for, you know, the last five years for your business, You got nothing wrong with gathering great, great feedback or keeping those affirmations. That's fine. I'm just saying, um, you know, you can't have one customer who loves you and say, all of our customers love us. So if you've been in business long-term, you know that eventually you're going to get a bad review. And there's a few reasons for this. One of the reasons is you weren't in sync with the customer the value system wasn't aligned. So a simple example of this is, you know, the way that you, your business philosophy, the way you do business simply does not match the way that other person does business. So one easy example of this would be, I had a marketer that I hired early on in my business and he said, Blake, go to the tallest building in your town and rent a condo there or rent an office space and film yourself in front of the window looking over the town. And what that will do is people who watch your videos, who watch your content, they're going to see you as more credible because, you know, you are obviously someone who's successful. And I also heard similar comments from this person too, about going around, driving around into expensive neighborhoods and seeing homes that were for sale and going up to those homes, taking, making sure that the for sale signs out of frame and uh taking a photo inside of their house. <laughs> Which if you're listening to this, you may, if you're um, I don't want to offend you and say you're naive, but if you're thinking, like, do people actually do this? Yes, people actually do this. And if you are an e-commerce person, if you have a Shopify store, you've undoubtedly seen the people who are you're seen like the jokes about people in front of like Lamborghinis and all sorts of things like this. So people do this, they really do. But uh I remember having this conversation with this person and I had paid about um I mean this was this was this was a painful lesson for me by the way. Uh I spent about $15,000 on this marketer basically. Which I wish I could say that was the most money I dumped in that first year of my business. Unfortunately not. I wasted more money after that. But so I had spent a lot of money on this person and essentially what happened was we parted ways because our value systems were not aligned. And so what happened was he said, Blake, this is what you need to do. This is what's going to get you clicks. This is what's going to get you buyers. This is what's going to get people showing up at your door, ready to to pay you and say, Blake, coach me, teach me, help me with my business. And he laughed at me because I said, "That's that's, that's dishonest, that's wrong. And he actually, I think said something along the lines of, that's really sad that you, <laughs> you know, like, how dare you? How dare you do what's ethical and right? And basically said, um, you know, that's, that's what sells. That is today's market. And he wasn't wrong, by the way. This is incredibly lucrative. And it's one of the reasons the podcast came about was I was tired of seeing naive business owners taken advantage of because I knew that pain. I knew that, that personally, I knew that pain. And so he said, you know, that's really sad. You think that um, this is what sells. And I said, well, that's, that's not how I want to sell. So, so we parted ways. So, and naturally, um, I never left this guy or a bad review. Um, it was one of those things where it was kind of like, just forget it. I mean, just whatever. But, um, I did have like random conversations from that moment on where people would bring up that person's name and I would say something along the lines of like, yeah, I didn't really have a good experience. Like that person didn't really help me with my business. So, um, take that for, for what it is. Right. So, Um, in some cases you get bad reviews because you and your customer are not aligned in terms of the values that you have. I had a gentleman who was asking for help for his business and he was having a management problem in his business and he told me a little bit about what was going on. And then he said this one liner, which was, uh, well, you know, millennials are so hard to manage or something along the lines of that. Maybe like millennials are so unmanageable and I'm a millennial and I don't believe that either. And so that was a clue into me that, hey, we don't see business the same way. We don't do business the same way. So one of the ways you can avoid this, by the way, is in your buying process or rather in your selling process when someone's buying from you, being really clear about who you are, what you do, what you represent. Uh, It's also, by the way, why content is so valuable to your business Uh, that's why I do the podcast, that's why I put video content up, uh, all sorts of content up on LinkedIn, is ultimately I want someone to see that content and if they're not a good fit for me, for them to self-opt out of working with me. Uh, Like any business owner, I have a niche market, I have a particular audience that I'm working with, I'm not trying to be the answer for everyone and that is okay. And for you to grow your business, you also have to be okay with not being the answer for everyone, but being the particular answer for someone, right? So when people see my content, when they see they listen to a podcast episode, they're already getting a sense of who I am. And if we have the same perspective, Another example of this would be I had a gentleman who was um losing his employees to a competitor who was paying more. Uh, he was paying his employees something like $10 an hour, the competitor was paying $15 an hour and was like, "Okay, what's, you know, what's the magic? What's the answer? How do I do this?" And it was like, "Well, there's only one answer. You you got people who what they care about at the end of the day is paying for their mortgage, paying for their rent, paying for groceries, you know, just trying to survive and live. And so what am I going to do? Am I going, do I have any sense of loyalty to your $10 an hour brand? No, I don't. I'm going to go to the $15 company or the $17 an hour company or what have you. And uh, he, he did not share in this answer for his business. So we were not a good fit. We have different values of, of, of how to reward and pay employees. It's, you know, for someone to listen to the podcast, and I don't know what episode this is, but I have an episode that that is called "Should You Pay Your People More?" and I say in it, "Yes, yes, you should. Yes, pay them more. Please pay them more." <laughs> and it's just built on so many um, ridiculous stories of people getting one percent raises over years, over year after year, and all these silly things that are happening uh, in today's business world. Um, which is a whole other conversation, but I want someone to hear that and then be like, oh, okay, so I know if I work with Blake, I already have a sense of what he would do for me and if we're even inclined uh, in the same way. So that, by the way, is the value of content. That's why you want to create content. That's why you want to share content. Uh, And it's also why, by the way, when someone leaves a really negative comment on your content, and says, you know, this is so dumb, I totally disagree, no way, uh, you're an idiot, uh, don't do that, you know, aside from like you ad- advising something illegal, um, it, it's worth it to have a little bit of hardiness to that, uh, a little bit of um, uh, resilience against that, because in some cases, those people aren't your customer anyway. And so if I'm making a post, and um, I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, let's go back to the, should you pay your people more? So whenever I first posted that episode, someone reached out to me and said, you know, I had no idea you'd become a socialist. And I, I thought this person was joking and I was like, uh, what? And he's like, yeah, I didn't realize you would become a big socialist, you know, wanting to pay everyone all this, you know, everyone the same. Right. And I was like, and I didn't even give him, you know, the, the worthiness of my time of like, well, that's not really what I was saying. This is what I meant. yada yada. but what it does, though, is it lets you know that that negative comment was someone who was never going to be a buyer ever anyway. And so um, it kind of gives you a little bit of, of um, I don't know, a little bit of like, oh, OK, I can now take this in stride and take it on the chin and swallow it, um, you know, eat the fish, spit out the bones rather than, um, you know, now I'm so stressed out over this negative comment now I have all those issues with imposter syndrome, my identity. Am I even doing the right thing? Yada, 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 You get it. So that's the value of posting content. So sometimes you'll get negative feedback because you guys were never aligned in the first place. And it's up to you, by the way, to try to clear that up from the get go. The second reason you might get some negative feedback is because you did not adequately explain or set expectations for what it looks like to work together. So a perfect example would be one of my customers who is a home organizer. Uh, She would have a um, person who would basically pay to have her do a um, walkthrough of the home, of the area that's going to be reorganized. And then they would then pay for um, an actual like organization session uh, and it's a pretty cool gig. She does amazing work. Well, so what would happen would be this individual, uh, the customer would pay for the consulting session and then wouldn't really hear back as to like, okay, when's, when's this happening? Like, what does this look like? What's going on here? And it was it was so low-key enough that it didn't cause any damage to the business. She didn't get any one-star reviews. But in our conversation, it was like, oh yeah, like there's not like a real deliberate process around this. Like they don't really know what it looks like once we start to work together. And I'm probably butchering the story, by the way, if she's listening to this, I'm sorry if I'm misrepresenting exactly how it went down. But um, just being candid, that's basically what happened. So um, but you know, when you're in your business, you don't always realize what the because for you, it's really obvious and clear, right? I mean, for you, it's so simple, like, I know exactly what it looks like to work with me. But your customers not only do they have no idea, they also don't care. <laughs> you know, All they care about is their problem being solved. So they don't know like the 10 steps, what it looks like, what it is. They just wanna know, is this is this gonna be pain-free to solve my pain? And is it gonna be in a pacing that I really um, want it to happen in? So not communicating expectations can often lead to a frustrated customer even when you did a really great job. So personally for me, Um, I can think about like customers who work with me when they decide to buy from me, uh, they get an email that clearly explains what does this now look like? How often will you hear from me? How often will we get together? Um, What are the next steps? What's the end product supposed to look like? Like if we're developing systems and processes and creating strategy, like what's the tangible physical product at the end of that? Um, these are things that I have to, because a lot of people also in my field have never hired a consultant, never hired a coach. And so they don't know what to expect. And so naturally then there's opportunity for them to be frustrated because it's like, wh- like what happens here? Like, what does this even look like? So I communicate all of those things on the front end. Um, ways that I can look for your business, by the way, let's say you um, cut grass like you're a lawn care company. Someone buys from you, and you say, "Great, uh, I so appreciate it." Uh, you can expect us every couple of weeks between these hours. And so, what happens then is the customer knows generally when you're going to show up, um, the time of day you're going to be there. Because, like for me as a homeowner, I want to know if the lawn care people, there, lawn care people, are going to be there in the morning? Are they going to be there in the evening? You know, what's it going to look like? And you might even add extra details like we'll always let you know when we're on our way, and it's going to take about this long to cut your lawn. Um, and again, that might be a bad example because you know your customers don't—they don't need an essay on all these things. These are all things that can happen, like in an email and a text. Um, you know, my lawn guy just texts me. So um, you know, do what works for your business. But the important thing is you're at least doing something as opposed to the lawn care person who uh, I buy from them, I call them and book from them. And then two weeks go by and I'm like, is this person coming? Like, are they, are they, did they forget about me? Like, do I, do I need to call again? And then like the day you're finally about to call a competitor to book someone else, you know, in comes the lawn care truck that is about to cut your grass. And you're thinking like, I I had no idea. Like I thought, I thought maybe you went out of business or something. I don't know. So like simply communicating those expectations for now, what does it look like for us to work together? And again, you can be as complicated or as simplistic based on the type of work that you're doing. uh, That can be really valuable for the customer. And by the way, that comment on like complicated, this is not anything you communicate, by the way, in the selling process, because the more details you give, the more complicated and challenging the solution feels. So it's these are things that all happen, by the way, after the point of sale. So, um, and it doesn't mean you can't speak to like generalities before the point of sale. So like, what is it, what's it going to look like? You know, oh, it's, it looks about like this, but I never go into like those levels of detail with someone who is not a customer yet. Once they're a customer and I'm onboarding them, I'm setting expectations. A couple of the ways this has played out is, um, you know, with other businesses, uh, sometimes I've had to, from the get go, explain what my role is. So in those initial conversations, um, Hey, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I don't know what happened in your childhood. I have no insight on what happened in your childhood. Uh, I had a guy one time and we were having some conversation about, uh, he was having some issues trusting his employees. And I said, so like, what do you think's up with that? And it was just an honest question. I wasn't leading him anywhere. And he goes, he goes, like, Oh yeah, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get me to talk about my childhood. And I was like, uh no, no, I'm not. I I don't want to know what happened in your childhood. I have I and I wouldn't know what to do with that because um I'm not a licensed therapist. That's not who I am. It's not what I do. Um, I'm just asking in general, why do you think you can't trust your employees? Uh and then this may seem kind of obvious, by the way, but Many people in the coaching world, in the consulting field, they take a, um, man, how do I explain this without it sounding uh, dismissive? Um, and now I'm going to just go ahead and say it dismissively. They do often take a touchy feely approach to, um, you know there's there's a real industry for like mindset and unlocking your potential and I'm not I'm not knocking anyone who does that kind of work I've had people like that on the podcast but often like what we think makes us different in our customers eyes they don't know that that difference actually exists so you're a coach, but you're different from another kind of coach, but your customer, all they see is coach. And so they naturally lump you in as the same kind of service, even when you may be totally different. That's why it's so valuable then to gauge, uh, to set expectations on the front end so that when they're onboarded, they know, okay, what does this process look like? If you don't do this well, you could do a good job and still piss off a customer. Unfortunately, you could do amazing work, but because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be, they're mad at you, right? And that's not to—that's not their fault that they're mad at you. That's your fault that they're mad at you, right? And that's what then eventually leaves the one-star review. And then the third reason that the third and final reason why you get a bad review is you genuinely did not do a good job. the The scope of the project was larger than you expected. Um, you felt more comfortable with your skill set in a in the particular problem of the project then um you know that skill set that perception of your skill set did not match reality uh we know there's a real concept i think it's called the peter principle i think um or maybe it's called something else i'm not sure but you know your perception of your skill set and your efficiency and what you're capable of we often overvaluate this compared to what we're actually capable of So, you know, your customer said, Oh, Hey, by the way, can you also do this? And it's something you don't typically offer. And you said, yeah, of course I can do that. And you could, you shouldn't have done it. You couldn't have done it. And now the customer's mad at you because you took their dollar and delivered something that was not at all what they wanted and something that you had no business giving them either. So that can happen. And then also sometimes not just related, related to scope, um, You know, you had a bad month in your business. You had broken focus. Things were tough at home. You weren't in the right headspace. And so the work that you did and provided for your customer just was not the quality that you normally give. When these things happen, similar to the first two, it's up to you to make them right. It's up to you to be as preventative as possible in these things happening. And so sometimes for me, this has come back to, um, having a better set of processes on the front end to make sure that I don't drop, I don't drop any, um, you know, cause when you're a business owner, you're juggling a lot of balls, right? I mean, you're, you, there's a lot of things that are in the air as a business owner. So for me, I've learned through the pain of mistakes where I didn't deliver as high quality of product as I envisioned because I didn't, I didn't realize I needed the systems that I didn't have. So in some cases, I've had to go back, I've had to reorganize, I've had to change processes so that the product that I do deliver is in line with the dollar amount I'm charging for. And also it's in line with the customers expecting from me. So part of this is related to that. Um, and then again, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's just sticking to your lane. It's not getting money hungry and seeing more dollar signs and oh, I can add on this thing that I can't really do. Uh, you know, it's, it's just being honest about that, but regardless of the reason that you get customer feedback and we're about half an hour in and I, I still, I feel like I still haven't even like gotten to the thing I wanted to mention, but, um, regardless of, of the reason for a negative review, you want to be a business owner who can take and digest negative criticisms to your business. These things are so valuable because they're often insightful as to what your customer is experiencing versus what you think they're experiencing. It speaks to genuinely what the product looks, feels what the experience is like when we take it outside of the amazing imagination of how you've envisioned this thing to be. See, a lot of times You know, we, we are our biggest fans of ourselves and our product. And so we think we're giving God's answer. It's the cure. We're the only ones who can do it. It's like the hero in the movie who's like, only I'm the only one who can save, you know, the world or what have you. And we get so in, in, frankly, just in over our heads in thinking that we provide the perfect answer that when the customer gives us that bad review, it's easy to dismiss it. It's easy to let our ego get in the way. And I've even heard this where um, a business owner who was getting no business, but was getting a lot of negative reviews would continuously say, Oh, that person wasn't our customer anyway. Oh, well, that person they didn't understand. Oh, well, that wasn't our target buyer. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, yeah, that person was. <laughs> that was your buyer. Like, what do you mean? But this person's this person was so protective of their ego that they were unwilling to let the honest feedback hit home. And when you think about like, um, you know, being someone who can take negative feedback, and this is why I did a callback to Darshan Mehta's episode, is you've already found someone. So let's, let's assume this is someone who they're a right fit for your business. Okay. They actually did want what you offered and they had the right perception of what you offered, but they still had a bad experience. These are people who've already proven themselves. They've already validated themselves as your target market. They've bought from you, basically. They've said, yes, I like that. I want that. And I'm going to pay for it. When someone has a bad experience and they communicate that bad experience and you lean into that criticism and turn it into a conversation, not only have you now caused that person to feel validated and heard but also you've you because you've created a conversation you've made an opportunity not just to make it right but as darshan pointed out this is someone who potentially could become a buyer for life you know when we talk about the customer experience and like customer service we're not just talking about politeness or kindness we're talking about you know a sense of mutual respect and an ability to listen and an ability to validate your customer's perspective; these things can be very powerful to people. So, when the customer says, "Oh, this sucked; it was a bad experience; I didn't like it at all," you know, instead of you crawling into a, <laughs> into a hole and you know crying, which is very tempting, by the way, to actually stand up straight and say, "Okay, yeah, hey, tell me about that." So, tell me about your experience. Like, I want to know more about that. Like, what were, what were you expecting? You know, what 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 didn't work for you? Now you start to get insights, not only on your process that you can tweak, change, refine, and make better, but now you have a customer who all of a sudden, I mean, because think about how often have you left a review or given a criticism and it's fallen on deaf ears. Now you have someone who you're kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. You see, you want to know more. And it actually disarms people. Uh, And by the way, not to say there aren't crazy people out there who are just mad no matter what, but it often disarms people. It often makes them, um, I mean, I can think of a perfect example of this. I had a um, oil change place that changed my oil and my wife was taking the car to get it, get the oil changed. And it was one of those places that they do it in like five minutes. Well, they knocked a hose loose in the engine whenever they were uh, changing the oil. They didn't realize this. So what happened then was my wife drives away the Hose is loose, it pops off, and the engine basically panics and shuts down while she's driving it, and while our, you know, 22-month-old is in the backseat crying. And my wife, by the way, is like six months pregnant. (laughs) So this hose pops off, and the car just shuts down. Like, doesn't like slow to a stop. I mean, it just turns off. Engine cuts off. Wife panics. Calls me, what do I do? I don't know. I I don't know what to do, by the way. Call the place they have a mechanic who's, who basically runs down the car, realizes what happens, fix it, fixes it. Well, so naturally, what would you do in the situation? You know, this place that has, um, you know, put your car in a, your, your family in a very precarious situation. Do you never do business with them again? Do you never try them again? I mean, what happens? And I feel like this is a bad example, by the way, because now I feel like the the ending of the story, you guys are going to be like, you're nuts. You need to go somewhere else. But I called, I spoke to the person who managed that location of this place. And I said, like, dude, what's going on? Like, that that's insane. And we had a conversation about it. And he was like, man, I, I just, I, we totally messed up. Like, that that can't happen. But he also, in having this conversation with me, rather than being like, okay, yeah, sorry, helped me realize that this location was actually a training location for their other locations uh, there are other uh, places across uh, our city. I said, So that's what happened. It was someone who they weren't, they weren't, they weren't qualified. Or, well, not they weren't qualified, but they just didn't have the experience as one of our other techs. And so that's what happened. And here's what we're doing to solve it. Here's what's going to happen next. And also, hey, you don't owe us anything, but we're going to go ahead and comp your next oil change. If you'd be willing to come back, we'd really appreciate the opportunity to make it right with you. And, and again, I'm jo- I'm laughing because I'm like, I said, I'm sure some of you guys are like, no, like, there's no way. But I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And because of this conversation, now I also understand why what happened is what happened, you know, it wasn't just like gross negligence. It was inexperience. And they frankly, they made a mistake, they they made a mistake, and they were trying to make it right. Now, hopefully with your business, you're not putting anyone and their family in a dangerous situation. Uh, That's why I said it's probably not the best example, but having these conversations with people, it can help, it can help bridge the gap between what they thought was going to happen and what they actually received. And more importantly, because you took the time to make it right and hear them out. uh, In some cases, they can actually become huge fans of your business because they know that you're intentional about having them as a customer. You know, the world is so transactional that intentionality can really go a long way. So when you get those bad reviews, don't make excuses, you know, don't take that one-star survey and put it under the stack, lean into it, listen to it. And don't berate your customers for thinking the things that they do. Because often those insights can be really powerful for not only just improving your business for future customers, you can do quite a bit for the customers that you think you might have lost, uh, but will gladly come back to you. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget that we are on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, first of all, thank you. For those of you who are supporting the podcast, I really appreciate you. You can go to our patreon.com slash good advice. That's at patreon.com slash good advice. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support the podcast and keep good advice coming to you wherever you are. And if this was your first episode listening, hey, subscribe to the podcast. Keep following us. I hope to keep bringing you good advice wherever you're at. And for those of you who are long-term listeners, hey, I appreciate you. You're amazing. And I so appreciate you choosing the Good Advice Podcast as your source for entrepreneurship, business, ownership, all that whole shebang sort of news spot. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I'll catch you later. See ya.